Good morning, the warmest of welcomes to you and those watching on the online on live stream as well. We've not met, I'm Archie, and uh, together with my wife Sam, uh, we lead the church here. And what I want to do for the next two Sundays, today and next week, is talk about the vision of HTB, which is to play our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. Our vision is to see the lonely loved, relationships restored, addictions broken, the homeless housed, the streets safe, read churches brought back to life, and the good news and the love of Jesus Christ everywhere. That's our vision. And there's three things that each and every one of us can do as part of that vision. Uh, the first is to pray. Please will you pray for the evangelization of the nations and the revitalization of the church and the transformation of society. Uh, we get together each week here on a Tuesday morning at 7.30 on Zoom to pray for the transformation of our nation. And the great thing about that is, because on Zoom, I find that people can join us in praying like whatever they're doing. Because 7.30, often people are on their way to work or taking a dog for a walk or getting their kids sorted out or still in bed. But like, because the screens, you can turn them off so they can still be part of praying for the transformation of our nation, take part in it, even though they can't physically be there. So will you do that? Will you find the link and join us to pray for half an hour every Tuesday morning for that? Everybody pray, everybody help out, uh, serve. Um, because, well, I, I'll tell you what I've noticed about church, not, not just this church, church in general. I think when you come into a church, often it, it feels a little bit like there's a kind of line that has to be crossed. That there seems to be a bunch of people in this community who seem to be going around having a lot of fun and obviously feeling engaged that they feel in the heart of things. But then a bit like looking at a merry-go-round, you think, how do I jump on? How do I jump on and feel like I'm part of it? How do you move from being, I go to HTB, to... HTB is my church. And in my experience, it's very often when you find a place to help out, to serve in some way, you become a, like a, a participant. I mean, my dream would be that somebody would come in the doors for the first time and that they would next week find themselves wearing a lanyard and welcoming in the next new person. So everybody find a way of... Uh, helping out, and that's what these cards are for, this uh, Be The Difference, an online version as well. And uh, they're just, sim th 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 these are not things like that need getting done around here. No, 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 th these are things that, like how can we help you to feel like you're playing your part in this vision? What would you like to do? How can we help you into that space? And then everybody pray, everybody serve, and everybody give, because visions cost money. Of course they do. And uh, what's remarkable about this church community is the extraordinary generosity. Uh, even in these times of uh, rising cost of living, and this weekend the energy cap uh, being raised. You know, over 2,000 people give regularly, monthly, as much or as little as they're able uh, to help play their part in this vision. Now, if you were here in July, or maybe you saw it online, 
Nicky Gumbel gave his final talk as vicar of HTB. And he talked about the best is yet to come. And I was thinking, I heard the talk, I think, wow, he really did set me up so well <laughs> as his successor. Because he talked about, do you remember, he talked to you about expect change, he said. Be a contributor, he said, not a consumer. Take out a monthly direct debit, he said. His words, not mine. <laughs> Who else misses Nicky Gumbel? Let's cheer ourselves up a little bit. Here's a little excerpt from his talk, The Best is Yet to Come. Everything that's happened in this church is down to all of you. And what happens in the future is up to you. Because you are people. You're God's people. And Paul talks about you being like the overseers. You're the ones, you're all leaders. Every one of you here. I know you, you're just such gifted people. You're leaders. And what happens in the future is up to you. Of course it's up to Archie and Sam, but, but essentially it's up to you. So don't, please don't, don't say, well, we'll just watch and see how they get on, and then we'll decide. <laughs> so look, if the future is down to us, each, every one of us, this next season of the vision, what would that look like for each one of us in practice? What, what is it that we have to do? And in the Old Testament, we have a story that strikes me as giving us two principles about how God wants to use each and every one of us in this next season. And I want to talk um, here under the title, Being a Jar for Jesus. And this story is 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 1 to 7. Let me read it. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. There are two principles at work as to how God wants to use us in this next season of the vision. The first is this. God needs only what you have. God needs only what you have. Playing your part in the vision will likely come out of who you already are, what you already have, rather than who you aren't and what you haven't got. So let go of the notion of what you would do as part of the vision if only you were somebody else. 
Let go of the notion of what you would do as your part in the vision if only you were at a different life stage or had different gifts or personalities or life experience or resources. And instead, let's start to think of what can we do now with what we do have rather than what we don't have. This widow, she comes to Elisha and she tells him, I've lost my husband and I'm about to lose my two sons as well because I've got to sell them as slaves to sell off, pay off my debts. And Elisha says to her, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she replies, uh, what part of bankruptcy do you not understand? I just told you, lost my husband, about to lose my two sons. There is nothing there at all, she says. So it's a small jar of olive oil. So so? except a small jar of olive oil. Oh, perfect. I'll use that. Let's have that. And she's about to discover that God uses what you have, not what you don't have. See, when we talk about the vision and how we can each play our part in the evangelization of the nation, the revitalization of the church, the transformation of society, How so many children come through the doors each Sunday in this place, ready for the best hour in their week. How hundreds came on Wednesday evening to start Alpha, curious to seek answers for life's big questions. How Onza Square was packed on Friday night with young people from schools all across West London and getting ready to start Youth Alpha this week. How we see 200 Ukrainian refugees finding a home here during the week in the most desperate of their circumstances. And how 30 Afghan women take part in a sewing program as part of the church. And 45 kids come to an after-school club on the Delgano estate and have a meal. And how This winter, we'll open up two of our sites as night shelters for homeless men and women. The greatest danger when I talk about these things is at the very point where God is giving us all these opportunities to rise up as church, to bring hope and love and encouragement and nurture and service and that you go in your mind straight to what you don't have, what you can't do. But there is nothing there at all. Instead of going to what you do have, except a little jar of oil. But it is through her exception, except a little jar, that God does his exceptional miracle. Because God uses what you have, not what you don't have. Because it's not just oil, it's, oil has monetary value and it can be sold to pay off her creditors so that she can be free. God needs only what you have. In the New Testament, 5,000 people are hungry. And Jesus instructs his disciples to go around them and ask Which of them has any food? 
which does not seem a brilliant plan because if they had any food, they wouldn't be hungry. But still, they do as they're asked and they go around and say, got any food? No. Have you got any food? No. Any food? No. 4,999 times. Got any food? No. You have? Five loaves and two fish. You can have it. Enjoy. So they go back to Jesus and say, we did it, Jesus. We carried out your survey. We found one lunch. Jesus says, perfect. I'll use that. Break it up and put it in basketfuls and we'll deliver it for everybody. Because God needs only what you have, not what you don't have. And if you heard about Moses and his staff and David and his slingshot and the disciples in their nets and Paul in captivity and the crucified body of Jesus. The miracle comes out of what you have, not what you don't have. Welcome to the vision of HTB, folks, where God has a track record of receiving whatever we give to him and expanding it to his great purposes. Think of Simulitis, the theological college, established here 15 years ago with five ordinands, men and women in training to become clergy in the Church of England and to become church planters. Today, up to date, it's trained 1,184. Represents a quarter each year of those being trained by the Church of England for clergy. You think of church planting. Two, 35 years ago, two miles west from here, a first church plant was sent out from HTB. Mushroomed and mushroomed. And now there's over 130 church plants sent out. Towns, estates, cities all over the country. They're now being planted at a rate in our network of 20 a year. You see, you give what you have, not what you don't have. And God takes it and expands it. Did you hear about Alpha? I understand this Alpha started in a London living room. And has now been done by 30 million people across the globe. Today we launch Workplaced at Brompton Road after our five o'clock service. This is to help us and Londoners to find meaningful purpose in our working lives. This week we launch an alpha for Ukrainians, for the hundreds of Ukrainians who find themselves now in London. Can you imagine what these things might become? what they might grow into, what might be birthed. The truth is, you don't need much. Just need a willing heart to give whatever you can. So, I don't know, you take this card, be the difference. And you think, well, I, yeah, but I can't, oh, can you do twice, oh, can I do, well, could I do twice a term? Could do that, maybe. Well, I can't, but I, but I could do that. And you just put a tick and see where it leads to. And then maybe you hand in that card. Like an, or you do it and you say, God, take what little I have and make it overflow. God needs only what you have. And then the second principle is this one. God uses only what we offer. 
Go round, Elisha says to this woman, go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. And then the next bit, which is the, the, the bit that I've underlined in my Bible, because I love this next phrase. Don't ask for just a few. I want to be a don't ask for just a few kind of guy. I, I want my life to be like a jar that I put out for Jesus to fill. And the more we put out, the more jars we put out, the more he will fill. And this woman, she totally gets this. So she starts to go around to her neighbours. She got, got any jars I could have? Can I look through your recycling? Oh good, it's a jam jar, it's a juice jar, the old dormiel sauce jar. Yeah, I'll take those. She takes them home and she puts them on the work surface in her kitchen, lines them all up. Then she takes her little jar of oil that she's got and she starts pouring. And the more she pours, the more oil comes until like she's out of jars. So she says to her son, go get me another one, another one. And then he says, I, I got, he said, well, finish up the Nutella, will you? Let's use that jar. Until there's like no jars left. And then the oil stops flowing. Do you think if she'd found another jar, that would have got filled? I think so too. Do you think if she'd got her hands on another 10 jars, they'd have each got filled? I think so as well. God will pour himself into anything that we bring him. The more we bring him, the more he'll pour into. I think you're a jar for Jesus in London. Yeah, I haven't been here all that long, so I'm only just getting to know some people here. Come and say hello, won't you, if you get a chance. But even in the time that I've been here, I keep running into all these jars. I've met Beth. She's a jar for Jesus at the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital where she's a nurse. And on Sundays, she puts out another jar when she leads worship at our Earl's Court site. And I've met Sam, he's been a Christian just three years. He's a jar for Jesus as a civil servant in the week. He's helping on the Afghan resettlement program. On Sundays he puts out another jar when he helps with younger youth in the church. Then uh, last week I met Peter and Renee. They've just celebrated their 52nd wedding anniversary. And for many years now, they've hosted, they said, 220 engaged couples in their home as part of our pre-marriage course. And it strikes me that every time they open their doors to a couple and set the table and make a meal and encourage them before they get married, it's like they're putting out a jar and then another jar and another jar for Jesus to fill. Can you imagine over the years, the impact that that has made to family and relationships right across London and beyond. And there's Tola. Tola helps out twice a month here with the kids' church. That's a, that's a jar right there, isn't it? 
And a Scala. Scala's like super busy in the week. She's training to be a casting director. But she still finds time to meet up with a small group of young people to help them read the Bible together. And there's you. Production, musicians, cafe, welcome. Prayer, hospitality. And the way you carry Christ into your work, into your home and your neighbors and your friends and your family, I'd say you're a jar for Jesus. Every one of you, in here and out there. Last Sunday, I came to one of the services in the evening and I was walking back down the driveway at Brompton Road and found myself near, walking near somebody who'd obviously just been to the church as well. So I introduced himself and I said, I'm Archie. And he told me his name. I said, oh, do you regularly come here? He said, no, I've, I've never, never been to the church before. So I asked him how he came. He said, well, I was walking for through here and I heard the music and I'm going through a really painful time in my personal life. So I thought I'd come in. And then at the end of the service, they invited people if they wanted to, to be prayed for. And I, someone, whose name was Tom, he, he prayed for me. And now I feel so much better. Tom's a jar for Jesus. What kind of jar are you? Are you a hospitality jar? A prayer jar? A finance jar? A listening ear jar? A jar at work? A jar at home? Maybe a teeny weeny jar. Maybe I really haven't got very much time kind of jar. Any jar, all shapes, all sizes, he'll fill whatever we offer. I say let's put jars out into every corner of London and see Jesus fill them with his glory and his grace and his presence and his power. Finally, finally, did you notice in the story who does the pouring? All these jars come and they're poured into, but did you notice who does the pouring? It's not Elisha, the man of God with a very impressive back catalogue of miracles. It's the widow. Because God will do the miracle, but he'll do it through your hands, my hands through our actions, which means that though what you have seems to you only a very little, you can start pouring today. And Sam and I, we want to invite you to join us in being a jar for Jesus in London and beyond towards the evangelization of the nation the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. Amen. Amen.